It's interesting. In our world that's so filled with noise, silence almost feels like the loudest thing I've heard all day. Um, it's, an odd, it's an odd thing. Um, well, if you're new with us, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And I invite you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And uh, our goal is to learn how to do that without it feeling awkward. Uh, that we might, uh, in this series we started last week, uh, learn how to be still. Learn, learn how to be still before God so that we might know that God is God in the non-stillness uh, of our life. And so uh, today we're going to do things a little differently in our service in that uh, I'm going to do my best to get through kind of the sermon a little a little quicker than I maybe tend to, so that we can spend some time at the tail end of our service really doing that, experiencing the stillness of God in the context of worship. And so we're going to jump right in here today to our text, uh, where essentially we get uh, an opportunity for, I guess you could put it this way, if you had the opportunity to ask Jesus, you know, the almighty creator, Lord of the universe, you know, to teach you one thing, what would, you te- or what would you ask Jesus uh, to teach you? And we have one of those opportunities right here in uh, Luke chapter 11 where uh, essentially the question being asked and the, and the request for being taught is pretty much this series. This be still, or to put it in a question, we have the disciples asking Jesus, how do we do this? How do we be still before God? And so that interaction starts off this way. In Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says that, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And this would have been something that Jesus would have done many times that the disciples would have witnessed over and over on a daily uh, practice that Jesus would have been off praying in a certain place, a specific place, uh, and at a certain time. And most often be the first thing in the morning um, as we see throughout the scriptures. And so after time and time and time again of the disciples witnessing Jesus going off to a specific place uh, for a specific time to pray, as he comes back, it says this. It says that when he, when Jesus had finished, when he had finished praying, One of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us, after watching him all these times, they want to say, okay, how do you do that? When you get still, how, how do you do this? Would you teach us to pray like you pray? Would you teach us to be still before God the way that you are still before God? And what's cool is that when they ask Jesus this question, it's funny, as you read through the Gospels, the story of Jesus, uh, a lot of times when the disciples or the Pharisees would ask Jesus a question, uh, he would often uh, respond with a question in and of itself to say, really, essentially, your question is probably not the best question. Let's, let's look at it this way. Um, but he doesn't do that here. He actually takes the question head on. Uh, he honors their question, which basically is saying, yeah, that's a good question. That's an honorable question. This is a good question. And he gives them a response. Okay, this is how to pray. And so that's what he does in Luke chapter 11 and the verses that follow also in Matthew chapter 6. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, we have this, this prayer uh, as well. And so I'm going to read that prayer to you. I'm going to read it um, out of the King James Version, uh, just simply because that's the one that we practice here. If you're here with us on a regular basis, we pray uh, the Lord's Prayer in the context of our service very often. And so I'm going to read that to you. And it's going to be really hard for you not to say it with me because I think we're a little bit Pavlovian. It's like as soon as it goes, you start going. But just try to listen to what Jesus is teaching teaching us when we, when we learn from him to learn how to pray. Jesus says to pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so when the disciples ask, Lord, teach us to pray, this is how he teaches them to pray. And what's interesting is that we can certainly do what we've just done and what we do regularly around here. We can pray that prayer the way that he taught us to pray. But we can also understand what Jesus is doing here is he's providing, uh, you could say, a model prayer, a, a framework, if you will, of a way to pray, not just a prayer to pray. It's a way to pray to see really each movement in the Lord's Prayer as, um, you could say, like a framework or, you know, handles for us to kind of grab onto as we actually put into practice. What does it look like to be still? How do we actually pray? And I'll tell you, honestly, for me, this has been incredibly helpful that Jesus did this for me because, you know, as much as I love the idea of being still and quiet and solitude and, and praying... You know, I don't know about you, but in my personality, as soon as you start telling me to be still, it's like, it's like the more fidgety I become. You know, it's like the whole, like, don't think about a pink elephant with wings. I can't. It's like, it has the opposite effect. And so that's the case for me. It's like, when you tell me to be still, I get more fidgety and I'm like, okay, I got to be still. I got to be still, Brian. Okay, be still before God. Still. I still need to trim my fingernails today. That's great. I mean, it's just like my, my attention span is, is just not there. And so, as I share this framework that Jesus has given us with you, uh, today is kind of a special sermon in the sense that I didn't just, you know, cram this week uh, some Jesus information, some be still stuff and say, copy and paste, here's what God's word has to say. That for me, um, coming across this model prayer, uh, I mean, I've known it for a while, but about 10 years ago, I started praying the Lord's Prayer pretty much every day of my life as a model prayer for a way for me in which to be still at the beginning of my day before God that I might then recognize as kind of an infusion into my day that God is God. Be still and know that I am God. When I'm still before God in the beginning of the day, the morning, the beginning of the day, it's, a, it's an ushering in, an invitation for God to be God in the details of your day. So this has been very powerful for me and my hope is that a light bulb would go off um, for you as well to, you know, maybe, maybe you, you're like me and you struggle to pray. You struggle with what to say, or maybe you're in a rut with praying, or maybe praying is just new to you altogether. Um, for any of these things, if you want to know how to pray, Jesus said, do it this way. And so we're going to, we're going to take him at his word and we're going to jump in. So to help us, uh, kind of dive into this model prayer and get some understanding of what each of these movements look like. Uh, I, I went all 1997 on you and put a fill-in-the-blank uh, sermon outline in your program for you today. And some of you are like, 1997? What does that have to do with sermon? I don't know. When I, I didn't grow up going to church, when I came to Christ in the late 90s at church, for some reason, every weekend, it was like, the guy would preach, and there'd be one of these in there, and I can just fill in the blank. And so for me, that was just very helpful, and so it's all 1997 for you. Did you guys do that? Remember Bill filling the blank? Okay, all right. You just stare at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. It makes me nervous. All right. So go ahead and grab that. Um, there's one in the program you received on your way in. Uh, there should be some in the pew racks if you didn't get a program in the East Auditorium. There's some on the seats or some folks walking around with some. And go ahead and grab a pen, and we will learn how Jesus taught us to pray as a model prayer. All right. So giddy up. The prayer starts off this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Or you know, that's not language we use. It's another way of just ba- basically saying, God, may your name be honored. May you be praised. In a word, you could say this first movement in the prayer is all about reverence before requests. And so that's your first blank. That this first movement in the Lord's Prayer, that the way he teaches us to pray is that we want to start with reverence before we get to our requests. And the reason this is so helpful to me is because, again, I don't know about you, but whenever I do start to pray, whether in the morning or at night or in a situation, or maybe as we do around here where we come up front and, you know, pray with a leader in the life of the church, to me, my default version of prayer is pretty much requests. You know, hey God, can you help me with this? Or Lord, would you heal that person? Or Father, I need some guidance in this situation, whatever the case may be. And those are all appropriate. Don't don't misunderstand, that's certainly a part of prayer. But what I see Jesus reminding us of is to reverently understand who it is we are bringing our requests before we bring the request. We want to be reverent in who God is before we dive into requests. All right? So getting practical, how do you do this? What would this look like? I'll tell you for me, when I pray, again, doing this for years, a lot of times I will journal this out. Like each of these prayers would be kind of like a header and then I'll kind of journal or write some things underneath it. And so what I'll do is I'll just start off my prayer time, you know, Heavenly Father, I just praise and thank you for, and I just kind of get after it. I just, whatever's coming to my mind that I'm thankful for who God is. You know, God, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your forgiveness, you know, your providence, the way which you provide is what that means. Uh, your sovereignty, that you're in control of even the stuff that I don't seem to understand. Uh, your love, your care, your leadership in my life, your, your grace, all these things. I'll just start listing that. And that's just a very powerful start to understanding, okay, who God is before we start bringing a, our requests to him. Another way to do this is you could just start off your, your prayer time, maybe just listening to, you know, I've got some earbuds or something, or, uh, or, or singing along with like a worship song, a favorite worship song that just gives praise to God, kind of how we start off our worship time here in church. Or if, you know, singing's not your thing, you can just kind of maybe say the lyrics, you know, if that's more what you want to do, or maybe grab a hymn, uh, uh, or, not, or not a hymn, well, a hymn's a song too, obviously, but maybe a, um, a psalm out of, out of the book of Psalms there to just, again, set the stage, set the foundation for who it is we're talking to before we start talking to him, okay? And so reverence before requests. And then once we've built that foundation of who it is we're talking to and given credit where credit is due, we build on that foundation with that second movement. It says this, thy or your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this next movement in the prayer is really about making sure we're getting all of our focus on what prayer is supposed to be. It's kind of getting the focus off me and my ways, again, thinking about about me and really putting the focus of what prayer is about to be about. It's supposed to be about God and God's ways. It's giving our focus and bringing our focus to God and God's ways. That in whatever it is we have going on, Ultimately, the reason we're praying is we want God's kingdom, essentially, you know, his ways, that's what his kingdom is, his ways uh, of heaven to be the reality here of what we have going on on earth. That's his will for us. And so for me, I, I see this part of the prayer as kind of this, this kind of like this wash and rinse cycle. I don't know how else to describe it, but I, I see it as this movement of taking the stuff of earth and really kind of processing it through the ways of heaven. You know, it's like this, you know, your kingdom come to earth. You know, your will, your perfect will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So um, another illustration for me was uh, a few weeks ago, I was helping uh, our, my son with his science homework and they're doing the chapter where they talk about how, you know, moisture evapor- evaporates 
rain or whatever into the atmosphere and it turns into clouds and it rains back down. And for me, I thought that was a helpful illustration to understand what this part of the prayer is, is that we want to kind of evaporate the concerns and needs of our life in this world. We want to lift that up to God and then it kind of gets redeemed somehow and then kind of rains back down on us, kind of a refreshing of, of God's ways within our earthly ways. So I don't know if that's helpful for you. That's kind of how my brain, it, it works. But we want to we want to invite whatever the prayers that you have, whatever requests you have, we want to ask God's will, His ways to be done within them. Okay, and so getting practical on this, uh, this is where I essentially pray through pretty much every request I have on the list, and I and I go wide with this. You know, I want you know God's kingdom to come, His will to be done on, on big issues in the world, in our country. Pray for our community. I pray for our neighborhood. I pray for every one of my neighbors by name. I pray for my family uh, by name. I pray, uh, and then just pretty much any requests that I just get. You know, living life with you all. You know, you'll stop me maybe in a lobby and you say, Hey, Pastor, will you be praying for this? And I'll pull out my phone, not to text somebody. I want to ignore you. That would be rude. But to put this, I keep the list in my phone of the prayer requests. And so I, I bring those prayers to God and just ask that whatever's going on, that the, the best prayer for those situations is that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done right here on that earthly situation as it is in heaven. And so for you, that's the opportunity to just bring it all big and small before God, everything that you have on that prayer list before him. Okay. Then from there, uh, the next movement in the prayer is, is, is more requests, but it gets much more specific in that Jesus says, pray this way. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And so this is really focusing on what is ahead of you this day. It's all about today that we would both ask and then really simultaneously give thanks. You want to, that's for the next blank, ask and give thanks for God's providence. And uh, the way I understand this is really taking Jesus at his word. You know, we see the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, but also in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us how we don't need to be worrying about all the other days yet to come. He says it this way in uh, Matthew six thirty three. He says, but seek first his kingdom. Just like we sang a little bit earlier. We want to seek as the first part of our day for our daily bread. We want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And Jesus says, and all these things will be given to you as well. And all these things are referring to the things we worry about, you know, food and clothing and the details of life. He says, don't worry about that stuff and don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so this is the prayer. Seeking first part of your day, seeking first his kingdom, his ways in which we want to live by here on earth and all the other details will be added to you as well. And so... Getting practical on this. This is for me where I just get very specific and pray like pretty much through my calendar and my to-do list for the day. I just look at what's coming and I'll just lift up to God, you know, any meetings I might have or projects I'm going to be working on. Maybe there's a difficult conversation coming down the pike that I just, I want to lift that before God from whatever's coming the rest of the day. Uh, I just ask for my daily bread, his, his providence in that situation. And so for you, that could mean a lot of different things that you want to weave God into the fabric of your day. You know, you've got a lot of kids and students in here. It could be a quiz or a test or a situation at school that you just want to, okay, God, give me what I need today to get through that. You know, homemakers, maybe it's, you know, getting through this mountain of laundry you have to conquer, you know, this day. Uh, or maybe it's a challenging sales call that you have to make this day. It's a, perhaps a pile of paperwork that you have to process this day. Or maybe, depending on what you do, it's some mechanical problems uh, that you have to face, you know, this day. 
day, or maybe it's some harvest that you have to get through before the rain comes this day, or a classroom you have to manage this day, or, or whatever it is that you might be facing. And everything you face this day, Lord, give us this day all that we need. It's, it's, it's the bread we need for today is another way of translating that. We trust you to provide this day for everything that we need, okay? All right, and so from there, flip your sheet over, and uh, it, Jesus kind of ticks it up a level here with kind of the depth of what we're praying here. And he goes on, he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. All right, now, if I were to step back from this and just say, okay, when it comes to, if you're kind of newer to the Christian faith, you're like, okay, what, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And you would ask me, what is the Christian faith all about? In a word, the Christian faith if, I had, if you had to push me for one word, I would say it is a story, it is a reality, it is a faith that is all about forgiveness. That the baseline, that the through line of our Christian faith is a story of forgiveness. That the reason we gather is because we understand that we have all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's perfection because God's perfect and we're not. Um, we're separated from him, from being able to have a relationship with God because of our sin. Uh, and so we're separated from here, having a relationship both here and forever in eternity in hell. Bad news, but the good news, the gospel. People say the gospel, the good news. What's so good about the good news? is that Jesus Christ, he spilled his blood on the cross, paying that sin debt that we owe, that we might be forgiven, and thus have a relationship with God where he leads us, just like we're praying through. He leads our lives both here and for all of eternity. And so that's what we understand the message of Christianity about, that it is all about forgiveness, the forgiveness of our debts, and thus out of the overflow of that, we are then, because we've been forgiven so much, able then to forgive others, their debts. And so getting practical on this, first we want to, in this time, we want to confess and receive the forgiveness extended to us. We want to confess and receive the forgiveness extended for us. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then again, out of the overflow of that, we then pray to extend forgiveness, where we need to extend forgiveness. And again, this might be in the big things or the small things. This prayer might be, maybe there's a big thing that you don't just forgive in a moment, and it's a forgiveness process. And you do this daily prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You're asking God to chip away at the hardness of the situation, to soften your heart, to give you literally supernatural ability to forgive whatever that situation is. Uh, but also I'd say the power of the, the daily forgive us our debts request, at least as I've experienced over the years, is just the power of, again, if, if the Christian faith is all about forgiveness, that what does that look like for me to forgive? I would just say like even the little debts that come our way each day. You know, the little debts, the little dings that come maybe if you're, you know, in, 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 with a spouse or with your kids or with a coworker. There's just these little things that, that can add up and accrue in a negative sense. But when we forgive and forgive and forgive day in and day out, there's a power and a rhythm and a pace that actually empowers us and builds our forgiveness muscle to be able to forgive in the big things as well. So forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And uh, some of you are getting real nervous. You're like, what's the blank? You missed the first blank. Okay. And so the blank is, is this comes from one of my favorite illustrations uh, when it comes to this idea of forgiveness and the Christian faith. That uh, I've heard it said this way, that forgiveness, when it comes to the Christian faith, uh, it's not just an app in the app store. Okay. So it's not an element of the Christian faith, but instead it's the, it's the OS. 
It's the operating system on which this whole Christianity thing runs. So operating system, that's your blank. Uh, this, is, this is our understanding. This is the through line of the Christian faith, a story, a message, a reality of the power of forgiveness. And I wish I had more time to spend on this. Um, I'm already going to talk too long, probably, as it is. Uh, but I would say this, that if this is an area that you need some help with, uh, we spent uh, two weekends on this fully um, in our, our last two series. On, uh, I think, let's see, we got August 6th, uh, Pastor Wayne preached an awesome message on this exact verse and just some of the trickiness of it all um, uh, in our series on Matthew on Forgiveness. You can find that online, August 6th, and then also October 1st in our Tell Me More series. There was a topic of how do we deal with this broken relationship, which all about forgiveness. It was a message all about forgiveness and kind of the intricacies and the challenges thereof. And so if this is a space you're like, ah, I would definitely encourage you to check out those two sermons. Okay? All right, and then moving from there, coming out of forgiveness, uh, we move into this section where really we want to pray to seek uh, that we would get through the temptations that often leave us seeking forgiveness with God or maybe with others. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that could also be translated, lead us through temptation, because it says in James, God doesn't tempt anyone. Um, it is only Satan that does it. So it's really a, a prayer to lead us through temptation. And here's a promise from 1 Corinthians as, as to what you can expect when temptations come your way. It says this, no temptation, know this, that no temptation has overtaken you or seized you except of that which is common to mankind. So basically it's saying what you're going through, you're not alone. You're not alone. Others have gone through this. In fact, it says in Hebrews that Jesus has been tempted in every way that we have faced. And so we have even a God who knows what it's like to be tempted. Okay? And God, it goes on and says, he is faithful. Knowing this, he will not let you be tempted. Know that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Or other translations say so you can stand up under it. Uh, that when you're tempted, you can stand up under that temptation. Uh, for me, I like to picture, uh, again, I heard this first um, in, in high school when it came to Christ, this idea that when you are tempted, that God will give you a way to stand up under it. I kind of picture like the weight of the temptation feeling like more than I can bear, to be real honest. And it's like, you know, this maybe like a bus is on top of my shoulders, but then like the Holy Spirit has like this Popeye eating spinach moment. You know what I say when I say Popeye? I learned last night that some people thought Popeye's was just only a place that gave like fried chicken and dirty rice. <laughs> but it's more than that. It was, it was a cartoon and a comic. And so Popeye, he was this sailor guy who was, I guess, weak at one point. But then he would like, <laughs> spinach would go into his mouth and he'd eat the spinach and then he'd get strong. And so it's like, hang with me, that when the temptation is upon your shoulders, that the, the spinach, the Holy Spirit uh, is like the strength within you that gives you the strength to stand up under it. Um, and so... I know you've probably heard that illustration a hundred times and you're tired of hearing it. Yeah. So this is how my brain works. And just a quick question. How is it that he was strong enough to squeeze the can before the spinach? <laughs> Deep stuff here today, folks. Deep stuff. Okay. And so we want to ask God, practically speaking in this moment, to his Holy Spirit, not our own strength. It's when temptation feels too much, it's not that the temptation is too much. It must mean that God is too little in our lives. We need to raise the God quotient. We need to ask God's Holy Spirit, the spinach, to come inside of us to help us provide a way to endure it, to stand up under it. Okay? So ask God to lead you through those specific temptations that you face in your day, delivering you from the evil. 
And then lastly, the prayer concludes with, um, really it's, it's called, considered a doxology, a closing commissioning or benediction that, that really is just this bookend to the prayer that we start off focusing on God, then we kind of get into the request, but then we're reminded it's all about God anyway. And so in your Bible, it might be in the text itself or it might be a footnote, depending on how the, uh, the translators understood it in the original text, which is kind of a whole other conversation that we're not gonna get into. But essentially, it is a, know this, that this is a biblical and appropriate conclusion, a, you know, a robust amen to this prayer. And so practically, these concluding words serve as this really catapult to understand what all the things that we've prayed about, all the things we're going to face in our day, what it's all about. And it says it this way, that it's for God's kingdom, that this is why we do it, we're, we're doing all this, that everything is about God's ways, and how are we going to further his kingdom? How are we going to further God's ways? Not in our own strength. Remember the spinach. That uh, it's going to be by his power. God's Holy Spirit's power at work within us. And why do we do this? For what purpose? For his glory. It's not about us. It's all about God. It's all about him getting the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that amen, that literally means let it be. When we say amen, it means let it be. Okay? And so this is it. This is, this is the model prayer that Jesus gives us when we say, Lord, this is the Lord teach us how to pray prayer that will, it will change your life. You can get still before God in just a few moments at the beginning of your day that you might experience the rest of Psalm 46, that you would know that God is God in all the details of your life. And so um, my encouragement to you to start off your day with this. You know, some people are like, oh, sometimes I do my quiet time at night. I'm just gonna say, you know, Buck up a little bit, Buttercup. We can, we can get up a little bit before our snooze alarm and we can spend some time with God. And I love this um, illustration that I came across with uh, actually our group that went to Israel uh, last week. 33 people from the church went to Israel and they, it was really cool. They sent these videos of like little teaching moments of you know, what happened in those spaces. And Leslie Kent uh, did a teaching from um, the steps of the temple. And she was pointing out how the, the, the steps, they're, they're staggered. It's like you, if you go up them, it's a short one and then a long one. It's a short one and a long one. And it's, it's the kind of stairs that you'd never put in your house unless you really wanted to mess with people. You ever do that where you think you're at the top and you kind of go in and you're just like, do that. That like, that double step. It's like, why, why would anyone do that? Well, the purpose behind that design is that structurally, they said that they wanted to ensure that when it came to entering the temple, entering the presence of God, that no one would be able to run up or rush up the stairs that they wouldn't be able to rush into things without you know, checking themselves, being still into the presence of God. And for me, I think that's a great illustration of what, exactly how we wanna start off our day, that we don't wanna just go rushing in and running into the day blindly without first checking ourselves where we will take some time to be still, that we would recognize who God is and how he's at work in our day so that we can actually invite him to be at work in our day, to take a little bit of time to what Christians essentially have called a, a quiet time, a quiet time. It's a quiet time with God, which, can I just be honest? I think that's the dumbest name ever. I, I don't know. I first, I, I, it's kind of, to me, it's like, I feel like I got in trouble with Jesus and I got to go like sit in the quiet time, time out chair. And you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bad name, but it's a, it's a very powerful practice that if you were to push me and say, okay, Brian, what has been the most you know, powerful, influential um, factors in your spiritual growth? 
I would tell you, it's this morning quiet time. Um, and so I don't, I don't think I'm exaggerating at all when I say this will change your life. That if you could skip a snooze button and take 10 minutes to sit with God and to work through um, his word and his, the way he teaches us to pray, it will absolutely change your life. And so to help us do that, a little bit more handles for us at the bottom of your page, uh, I'm encouraging you to fill out two more questions and one challenge. It says, when and where? And I think it's just kind of the power of visualizing, okay, I'm, rather than just say I'm going to do this, what, what does a commitment to this look like, to, to spend some time with God at the beginning of the day? And so when, you know, what time do you need to get up? You know, if you've got to back that clock up a little bit to make that happen, is it 6 a.m., 5 a.m., 7 a.m.? And then where are you going to do this? Are you going to like roll up out of bed and just have this maybe next to you and, and do it that way? Maybe you're going to go downstairs because you've got to get some coffee because you don't do anything, even talk to Jesus without coffee. And so you get your coffee and go to the table and you, and you do it that way. Whatever the case may be, I would start with when and where. And then there's that little checks box. Uh, yes, I'm going to commit to try and pray as Jesus taught me to pray for the next 50 days. And so if you start this tomorrow, if you start this on Monday and you go for 50 days, that'll take you through the end of the year. New Year's resolutions are great and fine. Like 85% of them always fail anyway. How about instead, you, we finish the year strong. We finish the year by building a habit of starting our day, of getting still before God, that we might know that God is God in the fabric of our day for the next 50 days. And then build a habit that you don't have to try then January 1 because it's already built in. Um, and so I'd encourage you. I can't, I've, I've encouraged you for 30 minutes to do this. So I'm, I'm done saying that. Um, let's do this. I want to invite you to stand with me. And uh, as I kind of alluded to at the beginning of the service, we are going to, um, rather than me continue to, to talk, we want to take some time to be still in the presence of God in the context of worship. Where we're actually going to move one more time through this Lord's Prayer uh, to worship God in each one of those elements. And so today in worship, we're going to do that here. Uh, Thomas is going to lead us through that. I can move this. There you go, BJ. BJ Leonard, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> So Thomas is going to lead us through that here in the context of worship together. And then in the East Auditorium, Lacey is going to be leading us over there. And I would just invite you to take, it's, it's different today. We're going to actually just, you know, rather than just rush on, settle in and be still in the presence of God. I promise we won't be here much longer. We've we got it all figured out. Um, but it's good. It's good for us to be still before God, that we might know God is God in the living of our life this day, this week, and frankly, all the days of our life. So to that end, Thomas and Lacey, would you lead us? <laughs> 